This episode of Tarot for the Wild Soul is brought to you by From Fear to Medicine, a brand new six-week tarot course brought to you by and taught to you by me. From Fear to Medicine is a six-week online immersion around the medicine of the scary cards of the tarot. It's a deep soul journey offering participants a potent opportunity to bring light, attention, awareness, and empowerment around their relationship with the fool, the wheel of fortune, death, the devil, the tower, and the moon. This course will include six live two-hour weekly virtual classes led by me. There will be two bonus Q&A calls to answer all your questions about the quote scary cards that we didn't get to, aka all the swords. It will come with a spread and a worksheet for every single class that we teach. Um, And I think it's going to be really powerful. The course starts next week, next Sunday on April 22nd. The doors are only open from today until the 22nd. Um, I'm very honored to bring the class to you. It's really born from my work through my PTSD, my childhood abuse, my work with a long-term illness. Um, It's brought with a lot of love and is over three years in the making. So if you're interested in learning with me, learning with me virtually, learning with me in a quote live setting, a live virtual setting, you can go to my website and check it out at lindsaymack.com slash from fear to medicine. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, deep conversations in tarot medicine for your highest evolution. Oh, I'm so happy to be back. I've missed all of you. I did not mean at the end of monthly medicine um, this April to go on like a two-week hiatus, but it happened over two weeks. It it it's it definitely happened. Um, I'm so sorry about that. A couple of things happened. I moved apartments. Um, I'm still in Brooklyn, but I moved. That was huge. I've been in the same apartment for 10 years, so that was big. Bigger than I thought. Had an unexpected medical procedure. Totally fine, but it was real. And Mercury retrograde happened to me, just to be really honest. (laughs) I know there are some people out there who are kind of like, oh, this retrograde wasn't so bad. I... I cannot identify with that, <laughs> but I, I am so happy for anyone that was somehow unaffected by it. Um, it was very powerful for me. Um, and it took me really deep in my own work. And part of that work kind of meant that I had to go, some things had to be paused and this podcast was one of them. So I'll always be honest about that kind of thing, but everything's good. And I'm healing. The move went great. Uh, Mercury's out of retrograde. We're now in a Saturn retrograde, but I'm still feeling a lot less. It's not the same as this Mercury retrograde was. (laughs) So I'm feeling pretty good about it. Knock on wood. And again, I'm just very happy to be back. As I mentioned in the intro, I'm teaching a new course all about fear I feel very excited for that. So since we connected, since we last connected, a lot has happened and a lot is continuing to happen. 
we had a total profound turn of the key restart with this new moon in Aries. Chiron is prepping to move. We had a, a, um, a very powerful, some very powerful Saturn aspects, really powerful stuff happening with Uranus in the new moon. We're now in a Saturn retrograde. We're preparing to go into a Pluto retrograde in about a week. Actually, no, maybe in a little bit less than a week. We're prepping to move into Taurus. A lot is happening. And really, you know, we've said this in so many, so many times in so many different ways that it's all, you know, really, I spoke about this on the sacred wheel. It's really all going back to the root system of the fact that this is a high priestess justice strength year. And when we have those energies, um, the work, the shedding of old processes, the releasing of old things, the review and the clearing of things is really important because, and we can kind of rest assured in this idea that we're not really able to do or accomplish anything this year without it being really lined up with our souls. Yes. So we know what it is to like say yes and some bullshit or say yes with the brain and the soul's really not on board. And it's been kind of a relief because as intense as intense as it's been to sort of adhere to that kind of level of evolution, it's really not possible for us to do anything outside of that energy. So that's sort of what all these transits are about. And the Mercury retrograde that we came out of was truly a baptism by fire in many ways, ironically, through kind of keeping us in that fire for this very sustained long time. Usually, obviously, I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this knows, you know, this Mercury retrograde was in Aries and Aries likes to run. It likes to make decisions. It likes to leap off cliffs. It likes to lean into its impulsive self. And Aries didn't get to do that unfortunately. <laughs> well, fortunately, but as many of us probably felt, it, the sustained nature of the energetic weather has been very intense. And there have been many things that have come up for people that have been extreme, great, massive endings, huge clearings, surprises, all kinds of things. So again, if you were one of the lucky few who are not aspected to feel anything during this retrograde, terrific. And genuinely, I'm so happy for you. I don't know, I don't know that there are too many. <laughs> so thankfully, most of us are still standing from it. But wow, what um, I can truly say that I came in this Mercury retrograde a different person and walked out a different person. Came out as one part and left as another part. It was very powerful. Wouldn't necessarily want to repeat it, but it was very powerful. <laughs> um, so this is going to be kind of a shorter week because I had to take a little bit of like some breathing room for myself. So usually we'd have two interviews a month in April. We're only going to have one next week. We'll have our podcast on the Kings and then it'll be time for a new monthly medicine for the month of May. And our monthly medicine is going to be a total blowout because it's going to go up, um, and it'll honor Beltane and all kinds of different juicy things. May is really, really juicy. Um, 
So there'll be quite a bit to talk about. But without further ado, I'd love to intro my guest for this episode. So my guest for this episode is somebody who, when I was creating this podcast, and I feel like I I say this a lot, but it's true (laughs) that I've had these like real dream lists of people. And when I created this podcast, and I still do, I have my eyes and ears open on Instagram and wherever for tarot readers that I might not know yet, but look cool and that I would love to interview. And, uh, this person, this human was somebody who, as soon as I saw her work, it was many months ago. I want to say like last summer, actually, um, maybe August when I was preparing August or September, uh, I messaged her and she was kind enough to not only respond to me, let me know she was interested, but she was also kind enough to wait a thousand months because there's such a long wait for interviews. Um, her work is incredible. It has been remarkable to get to watch her over time, begin to expand her offerings, share more of herself. Um, Her work is so vital and so necessary. My guest for the week is the amazing Karina Rosella of Rise Up Good Witch. So Rise Up Good Witch is Karina's Instagram name. It's also the name of her podcast. She is the host of the Rise Up Good Witch podcast, Self-Care is an Act of Resistance. Uh, Karina is a self-proclaimed, quote, good magic witch living in Humboldt County, California. She uses wildcrafted and garden-grown herbs to make magical plant medicine and uses eight years of in-depth tarot insight to tell folks stories about their barriers and setbacks. The tarot is an old ancient way of applying human archetypes to human conditions and offers us powerful tools in making the changes we need. Karina also works very passionately in social justice and is the creator of the maybe you manifested it, maybe it's white privilege meme, which is pretty dope. So in this interview, um, Karina and I go really deeply into the idea of manifestation into some really powerful ways that we can evolve our viewpoint of it in different ways that we can look at it. Um, we talk about the tarot, obviously we talk about healing, we talk about social justice. Um, and she just is, was definitely has been one of my favorite guests of all time on this podcast. So beautiful, eloquent, her work is so important and so vital. Um, and there are lots of links to this on the podcast, but I want everyone in the Portland area to know that Karina is teaching some workshops near you and you should sell them the fuck out. And if you are in Portland or want to talk up, um, a really amazing teacher and witch such as Karina in Portland, I highly recommend and encourage you to do so. Uh, the links to where you can book readings with Karina, buy her beautiful herbal medicine, listen to her podcast, and also hook yourself up for some amazing tarot medicine um, in the form of her teachings, where you can do that on her will all be on the liner notes of the podcast. And in terms of podcasts, you know, I've mentioned a couple different tarot podcasts that I love. Like if you're looking for kind of, um, you know, more theoretical, like non, 
wavy, spiralic <laughs> tarot podcasts like Root Lock, um, Teresa Reed's podcast, Tarot Bites, um, Biddy Tarot, obviously. But if you're looking for like a motherfucker, excuse my French, of a uh, tarot podcast like Karina's is amazing. The kind of, um, we talk about it in the podcast, the kind of amazing uh, breakdowns of the cards and presenting them through different lens views of social justice work and activism and personal empowerment, working through illness. It's amazing and really genius and so beautiful. So please support her podcast because it's badass. And yeah, I think that's it. I just want to say again, like I love everyone here and I love this community. And every time I record these intros, I feel everyone and I love you, all of you. Um, and it just feels so good to be back. And, you know, interestingly, I haven't gotten like literally one message about me being on a delay so I kind of think everyone universally understood or appreciated or trusted the pause and the timing. And again, it's just another beautiful symbol of the connectedness and the root system of this community um, and how beautiful it is. And I thank everyone for their patience with me because, again, I'll never force myself to put something out there that's not really connected to my heart. And to my sense of uh, centeredness, because it's not fair to you. So thank you for your patience with me and your trust in me in that way. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to connect with everyone for the Kings next week. And without further ado, I'm going to patch you over to my talk with Karina. Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, deep conversations and tarot medicine for your highest evolution. Uh, I would like to welcome to the podcast, beautiful teacher, activist, medicine maker, podcaster herself, tarot reader of many years, the amazing Karina of Rise Up Goodwitch. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. It's such a joy to have you here. It's great. Um, you are... Somebody that I discovered on Instagram and thought in the very early days of this podcast, like just your message and the way that you share the cards with such clarity, generosity and fierceness um, felt so good to me. And it's a real honor to have you on. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So uh, the sirens of Brooklyn. Um <laughs> <laughs> so loud right now. Um, I kind of wanted to start, uh, as I often do with these interviews, with your tarot story. I know that, um, and you may correct me on this, maybe my understanding is a little off. Do you either pick up your first deck during your Saturn return or did you start reading for people during your Saturn return? Like when did you begin your journey with tarot? How did you find it? I picked it up during my first, during my, kind of like before my Saturn return. Mm -hmm. I really feel that my Saturn return began at 27 and a half. Mm -hmm. um, other people are like, no, it begins at 28 and a half. But for me, it was very much during that time. And I really needed, um, I mean, I've always been 
I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say I've always been into like witchy stuff and like esoteric metaphysical um, points of view. I think that I always had that in me and it took until that time in my life for that to really arise because there was so much that I had been holding back and, and just like a lot of trauma and like mental health stuff and just, you know, outside factors that caused me to be very like internal and not recognize that I was taking on all these energies. And it was really during this time when I was about 27 and I was just like a workaholic and I had an eating disorder and I, I, I just kind of like broke. I had this, this moment where it was like, you're going to die or you're going to heal. Like mm. there's two, you know, you get to those points, like a mm. fork in the road where you're like, there's only two things that can happen. I can't go keep going down this road. Like I can't keep working 12 hours a day and like vomiting eight times a day. Um, and it just kind of, I, I needed that tool. And I had been talking to people about tarot for a long time and I knew about it. And I have like this memory of a kid when I went to this, like, I don't know, metaphysical fair or something. And I really, I really wanted to get um, a tarot reading. And, and my mom was like, no, I'm not going to pay for that. You know, <laughs> and I, but I remember looking at all the decks and being like, this is so cool. Um, but I, so I, I kind of came to this point where I did buy my own deck. People sometimes ask me like, do you need to wait for someone? And I'm a very independent person and I don't like people giving me things that much mm. unless it's like, I feel like it's an egalitarian equal exchange. So I wouldn't, I think be comfortable with some, I mean, now if someone gave me a deck, I, you know, that's great. But I went and I, I can still remember like buying the writer weight deck um, and I just was like, you know, I'm going to sit with this a lot. And I'm, you know, I was working like, I, I live in Humboldt County. I'm from Humboldt County. So for people that know about Humboldt, we are like the cannabis cultivation capital of the world, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was doing a lot of stuff with that to, to like make money. And um, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go backpacking. I'm going to like just live out of a backpack for a year and I'm going to have this tarot deck with me. Um, and I, I just spent like a good, probably like eight months working on the tarot every single day, just like pulling the cards up, writing about it, journaling about it, um, getting really into it. And I, that was also around, I mean, there isn't really, um, I talked to a lot of people who've been doing tarot for like, you know, years and they're they say that they never give other people readings mm -hmm. um i immediately was like everyone i met i was like hey i'm learning this thing can i like do a reading i can't promise you it's gonna be good because i just have this paperback book that i got from like a used bookstore that has in retrospect pretty lame uh mm -hmm. <laughs> like just like a list of words for each card you know so i um I was just kind of like learning by doing and I ended up at this like commune and I just was like, I'm giving everybody readings all the time um, and just learning by doing. And that's kind of how I am. So um, I, I didn't um, take money for a while, but I mean, I would say it was probably the year after that trip that I started doing a lot of readings at events in Portland, but mm. I like barely charged, you know, I would be donation based because I, I don't feel like at that point in my life, I was really um, equipped. Mm. And since then, it's just something that's like come in and out of my life a lot. Um, I will offer tarot readings sometimes, but 
at some point last year, I, I wanted to get back into it. And, and in the last six months, there's been a lot of uh, upheaval and change in my life. And it's, it's really like led me back to tarot, like as a tool, mm. um, as a tool for growth, as a tool for reflection, for like understanding social systems and structures in order to dismantle them, understanding like ego, gender roles, um, like, you know, all types of things. And it just, it amazes me. Yeah. It just, it just amazes me how much I learn still. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm on my ninth year of studying and reading, I guess, for myself and others. And I, you know, in the community I'm in, the only other tarot readers that are working have at least twice as much time experience. So mm-hmm. I expect that in another, you know, nine years, I'm going to be with a totally new analysis, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so amazing because, and your story is so beautiful. It's just so amazing to see reflected in your story that if we're open to to it, that Well, there was so much that I loved in your story. The first thing that I loved is just like your beautiful clarity on like, hey, you're here. I really want to offer you a reading and I can't promise it's going to be good. And I really resonate with that because I'm the kind of person who I like to share things. And so when I was starting up with Tara myself, like really young, um, that was the first place I wanted to take it just to have a more communal experience. So I think that's really cool and awesome for people listening to this to hear that like you do not need to be like having done it for a million years to offer. It's part of how I think we learn. And the second thing that I love is um, how it, how it has flowed in and out of your life for you and will continue to come back to you in these moments when, you're clearly evolving, growing, here to channel, if you're comfortable with that word, like new teachings around it, new understandings around it, because I haven't, um, I mentioned this in the intro of the podcast, but your, your podcast, the Rise Up Good Witch podcast is like on fire with some of the stuff. Oh my God. Like what you bring. Yeah. Like uh, everyone listen. like there's, there's a big thing in the intro about that. Like everyone listened to the rise of good witch podcast, but there's the, the, um, framework that you bring to your, to the cards, like, um, the way that you explain and, uh, you know, like look at them, like a couple of examples or like Eight of Cups, The Witch's Journey, another um, title of your episode is um, Ego, Call-Out Culture, and Accountability with the Suit of Swords. I mean, like, you know, like, like on flambe, like so hot, so good. And like <laughs> clearly from your work, your personal soul, um, human work done through the lens of the tarot, which is like it's just fantastic. So my, I'll, we'll come back to your podcast, but, um, just wanted to really bring, bring that, that it feels like you finding it and it really coming up for you during your Saturn return. It just seems like it's been there with you at every moment that you're really shifting and changing and expanding. 
and it seems I like mean, you learn yeah. more. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and it seems like no, you go for it. No, I was just going to say, and it seems like every time you dive in with it, you come out with more teachings and more understandings about how it works in your life and how it can work for others. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. And it's, it's interesting um, because I, I do see, I mean, I'm a double Capricorn. I like talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. So there's like conflict, there's a lot of conflicts for me because I'm very logical. Um, and I still feel like I'm like really empathic, you know, just getting in touch with my empathic side and getting in touch with just, you know, being a medium and, mm -hmm being able to like sense these things about people and use these tools, um, for, you know, alchemy and like plant medicine and, and stuff. It's really, um, an interesting journey. Cause sometimes like I find myself, um, if I'm talking to someone who's not into this stuff, I'll be like, I know, I know I'm a tarot reader. It's weird. Right. I don't know how I got into this. Like I'll seriously like preface it like that, which I, I'm hoping that like no one is offended by that. It's just totally something that like, came into my life and chose me it yeah. doesn't feel like something that I chose yeah I mean I did because I went out and bought the deck but I didn't think that my life was going to be you know that it was going to be such a big part of my life yeah I, I can't resonate I I like could not resonate more deeply with that like that that was also happened to be my experience like it was put in my hands and I had other plans <laughs> for myself. <laughs> like, I didn't really think. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. So, um, and even if I didn't feel you, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, thanks. Let's talk about um, the name Rise Up Good Witch, so powerful and evocative. Where did that name come from for you? I mean, I guess it just came from my mind. I really wanted to have the idea, you know, and this kind of goes into a lot of my philosophical views on um, like self-care and healing. I think that we have to bridge that gap between social inequality and healing and self-care. Mm. Um, I don't think that they are separate and I wanted to have a name that conveyed that that conveyed that this is going to be like an anti-capitalist, like feminist, queer, like approach to, to um, tarot and like medicinal herbs. And, and that I don't want it to be um, something like super inaccessible and um, like pigeonholed to a population that's the most visible in the society. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like Rise Up is obviously like a, a really, you know, popular and, historically used term to talk about um, overcoming and political uprising and you know wit, what what is a witch like a lot of people have a lot of bad associations with that so I think um, you know witches kind of in my opinion it's just a cultivation of that uh, the earth you know, like the as above, mm -hmm. so below idea, like, you know, manifesting. And I have very complicated views on the word manifesting, obviously, mm -hmm. but just kind of like drawing the, 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 above what is above to the ground, like really bringing everything together um, and, and using that energy to heal yourself in your community to me is like the ultimate witchcraft. Mm. So powerful. And for our listeners, um, Karina uh, created the meme 
maybe you manifested it. Maybe it's white privilege, <laughs> which like has been making the rounds in a major way. Um, I think that well, everything you just shared is so powerful, so important. And A, thank you for your service because it's beautiful and impactful. And B, <clears throat> I would love to get into this topic of manifestation with you because um, yeah. <laughs> it. I think it really needs to be discussed. I think a lot of people don't um, like that. The creation of that meme, um, I think really awoke something in people and is continuing to unpack itself within people because it's something that before, I mean, I think I've, 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 people have discussed the idea of manifestation being kind of, um, somehow separated from the idea of inequality in uh, and privilege and all of those things, but you just put it together in such an impactful way that it sealed kind of the conversation in this way that was such a strong deliverable around questioning yourself. Like maybe you manifest it, but also maybe it was easier for you to get that apartment because you were a white person, or maybe it was easier for you to get that job because you were in this position or whatever. Maybe it was easier for you to call in that car since you already have like 10 grand, you know, great. That's beautiful. But being, being like, God bless them, you know, but like people, I, I think talking about that idea of manifestation is so important because it's such, it's become such um, a, a topic of conversation in even people who are, uh, you know, identifying with the label of, you know, witch or of creatress or whatever you want to call that. Um, and I think even the most good minded or well-minded people are kind of getting that confused. And I would deeply welcome, um, what, I mean, I, this is such a dumb question, Karina, but like, just bear with me. It's like for the interview, but like, what inspired, what inspired you to make this meme? Obvious, but still, um, what was kind of the inciting incident that inspired you to create that meme? And, um, yeah, I really invite you to share your, your thoughts on your journey of, uh, looking at this idea of manifestation, but through a lens view that is, um, inclusive of all experiences. Wow. Okay. I'm going to give this my best shot. Um, so I think, first of all, I really, it, it was really interesting because I mean, I think when I made that it was, I had like less than 200 followers. Um, and it was, I just took a picture from Pinterest and there was someone that I was, um, following or we were following each other and they had like done a cross stitch with a really similar phrase. And I mm. wrote them and I was like, I love that phrase. I want to make like a picture that has something similar. Can I do that? So I really don't feel like I'm like this genius that came up with this. It was really just like, totally. you know, I put something together that spoke to a lot of people and it became really awkward because it's like, I have no copy, you know, Instagram's weird because it's like, and the internet in general, there are no, there's very, I don't know. There's like a lot of gray area with copyright. So it was like suddenly, you know, people were like, you know, first of all, there were people who actually claimed that they made that and mm. then were like getting a lot of attention for it. Um, and 
then there were people who were like, well, you didn't make that picture, so aren't you a thief? And it's like, I didn't know this was going to blow up. I, I know. Thought it was <laughs> Leave me alone. Thing. <laughs> yeah, so it was interesting, and it definitely taught me a lot. But I think, like, as for why that resonates with me, I mean, like, I'm a white person, and I've lived in Latin America for, you know, I spent, like, three years more or more in Latin America. And when you are in these situations and you are a reflective person, it's going to cause like a lot of reflection for you. And just, you know, thinking about the histories that we have of colonization, the histories that we have of um, like the appropriation and exploitation of indigenous knowledge. Um, I, I just feel like it's such a complex issue that it's totally that privilege thing. If you, um, white folks, a lot of times, like, we don't have to think about that. Yeah. We choose to think about it. And um, I, you know, like, I'm from this place, Humboldt County, and um, it's it's super hippie. And I had a hard time here when I was a kid because I was, like, punk and everybody made fun of me. And um, I everybody was trying to convert me into being, like, super into the Grateful Dead and whatever. But um, I think there's a there's kind of like a very passive aggressive racism that happens in northern california and the pacific northwest um in which people feel like they're really welcoming and they feel like they're really open and they're really gentle and calm with their words but at the same time they're still coming from this perspective in which like this very normalized like white idea of spirituality is their template Mm -hmm. that they work from and there are a lot of people um and i've had this conflict with lots of people over the years um where you know like you don't want to hear that you manifested something bad that happened to you um and i hear that a lot in these communities of like spiritual white people basically um like oh you brought it on yourself oh okay you brought it on yourself and i i feel that that is deeply offensive Mm -hmm. and i have been so bothered by it because if you say oh i man i really just like want this one thing in my life and i'm i'm totally um i'm just gonna visualize it every day and then it came to me um that's wonderful and i think that's great but i think we have to acknowledge the fact that there's like bigger structures in our in our world that operate beyond any type of spiritual belief or fate and Mm -hmm. you know of course like we can't i do believe in the power manifestation but that's not the only thing that goes into this Mm -hmm. um if you you know i've spent a lot of time like working with unhoused people and like at-risk youth iv drug users um i've been doing social work for a long time and i would you know you would never Anyone that would say that to someone, you know, someone who's dealt with, like, severe police violence, Mm -hmm. someone who's lost family members to police violence, someone who has dealt with incredible childhood trauma and now lives on the street and does heroin because that's their way of coping with being in this fucked up world. I would just the idea of telling those people that they brought that pain and suffering and and loss on themselves is just it's. You know, even if you do it in a way where you're saying, like, the universe has your back and and, and you're supported by the universe, it is incredibly offensive, judgmental, um, close-minded, um, dogmatic. It's just, 
there's so much wrong with it. And yet I think that there's a lot of rhetoric that people say, and I probably do it too. I mean, I'm not perfect. Like I make a, you know, I make plenty of mistakes. Like I realized like in the first five minutes of this podcast, I used the word lame and I shouldn't have. So I apologize. It's like, I mean, I mm-hmm. critique myself constantly. So it's like, um, you know, we have to look at ourselves deeply. And like, if we ever find ourselves being like, I worked for this or like, you know, I brought this into my life with my good energy. That's probably partially true. That totally is probably partially true. But you have to look at the bigger structures as well, because we don't live in a world that's like that. We live in a world that has these histories of appropriation and patriarchy mm-hmm. and rape culture and systemic racism. And those things are we, we're not in a vacuum with our manifestations, basically. Mm-hmm. Genius. So powerful. And, you know, I love that you brought this it's just like everything you said I'm like on fire for right now. I'm one, um, like just yes in every way. And you know, there's this really insidious, um, which just like supports what you've been saying. It's not like I'm saying you ha- you were not saying this, but <clears throat> there's this really insidious backside to that, which is that, and you know, I'm going to call this out. I mean, I am like, I think that there is a, there is even amongst the most, well-meaning, lovely intentioned people, there is this back end of that problematic view of manifestation that if something quote, misfortunate or bad, uh, like just really like life happening or two or four, however we want to look at that to somebody, um, that they must have done something. And as somebody, okay. somebody like who, like I have very complex PTSD. Um, I am very fortunate to have a lot of resources to, um, help to, um, and support to help to, uh, that has helped me to be more or less functional in my life and not feel like I'm pushing or re-traumatizing myself. But like, you know, I'm going through something right now that's really massive and, um, I didn't do anything, you know? And like anybody who's moving through that, like you didn't do anything to bring that on. You weren't being low vibe. You weren't, you know, and I'm also someone who has a very serious chronic, um, health issue that was a shock to figure out. And, um, I got diagnosed with that a couple of months ago and I was floored by the number Mm. of people who were like, well, what do you think you did? And I was like, wow, like, Never in my wildest dreams would I ever say that to anyone or even think it like what on earth, you know, and there and there are these people who really feel that um, we bring everything in like it's so conscious, like we're not living in this completely chaotic universe, <laughs> like that, like so much of it is completely out of our control, including and you would never look at a five-year-old child and say, wow, looks like you brought on your cancer. That's too bad. It's like, I feel like when people talk about manifestation, like you have to think, if you're saying it one way, you have to say it always. So just like you brought up so so brilliantly, an example of folks who like right now, their coping mechanism is the street and it's drugs. And like, that's where they are right now today. It's the same thing with people who are working with massive illness, like there's such a spiritual 
um, because people don't want to deal with that shit. They don't want to look at the shadow of, well, how am I going to grapple with my faith, my beliefs, if this happens to me? So they don't want to look at people like that. Exactly. Like, like completely. And that it's like the, the the opposite, (laughs) you know, like it's the opposite of what I think we're capable of doing as space holders. You know what I mean? And so I, I love everything that you shared and that was my little tangent, but that, that just got, I just got that really reflected to me the other day. Like what on earth are people believing about what it is to have a body that will eventually get sick and die. Mm-hmm. That like that that different people go through all kinds of different experiences and the best the best possible outcome for anyone moving through those difficulties is to maybe get to the point where if everything lines up they can shift to the other side of it, maybe assist others who've been where they are or maybe just even have a peaceful life or peaceful moments and like that's great. Not everybody has the same thing, but there's, there's such complication to it. And I love the fact that we're talking about it. I have have just as many problems with it as you do, you know? Yeah. And the thing is that I want to add also is I don't think, um, I don't think, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and like, oh, no, thinking, oh, no, I've done that. And I know I've said things like that. And I, you know, I, I just think it's not, it's just so normalized. Exactly. In our culture, I guess, like, I use that word really broadly, but like, it's so normalized in like a, a individualistic capitalist world where, you know, yeah, exactly like what you said. No, people don't want to believe these things can happen to them. So they look for reasons that things happen to other people and then they separate themselves from that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is we are not in control. We are in control of certain things. And that kind of goes back to like tarot is that you can look at the tarot and be like, what are some things that are patterns that could come up and how do I get through them? But you can't, you know, I don't believe in being like, ooh, on on July 7th of 2000. <laughs> 21 you are going to lose your aunt you know like Mm -hmm. something like that like I just personally for me I'm like I I don't really trust anyone that could do that but you know that's my thing totally um and I think like you know I just believe that this yeah like the universe is chaos and we can't control things and you know I'm sitting parked at one of my favorite places like looking out into the bay and somebody could like run you know Mm -hmm. it's early in the morning and someone could like run me over and kill me right now and did i manifest that by like parking here i mean it's just the world that we live in but i don't think anyone should beat themselves up over doing it because we're all in a deep learning process of how Mm -hmm. to be better humans yeah and it's just really important to be present with these things and think about them so instead of being like oh you know that person got arrested a bunch of times they manifested that conflict with the police well let's look at that person's like you know, yeah. mental health history, their race and ethnicity, mm-hmm. or like the area, you know, like there's so many factors. Totally. And I just think when you say things like you bring things on yourself, you manifest everything that happens to you, it's way too black and white. It's too oversimplified. And that makes it offensive. Absolutely. And and I love that you shared that too. You know, anyone certainly listening to this, like judgment in no way, like we're, we've all it's a, it's a universal concern. (laughs) Like there's no reason to be judgmental or anything. It's just, I think talking about it, I mean, there have been so many things in the past few years that because someone mentioned it, brought it up, 
um, for me to reflect, it all of a sudden made me go, whoa, damn, like I got to shift that shit. I got to look at that. So I think the conversation is, you know, can hopefully be a helpful one for, you know, consideration and review. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's such, it, it's, um, and you know, I think like all things, you know, you sharing that someone did a cross stitch, whatever. I love that you mentioned that because it, it like ideas don't come out of nothing, which is such an important thing mm-hmm. that like Sarah Godestiner talks about all the time. Like where are your sources? Why are we so afraid to credit our sources and our inspirations now? Um, Mm-hmm. And so I love that you brought that up, but yeah, it, it was obviously hitting right situation, right image, right time, but it's just, it, it's mm-hmm. been a real healing for me, that meme. <laughs> like, it's great, you know? Good. Yeah, it's been a deep healing. I'm stoked, like, yeah, I'm stoked how many people are really, um, like, excited about it. I mean, I was at a flea market, like, I've been trying to do a lot of flea markets here, and someone came to my table and saw that I had postcards of it. And was like, oh, my God, did you do that? I love that thing. I have it all over my Facebook. I'm going to buy all of those postcards. And it's just funny that. And then I had friends who were like, you made that? Because it was posted all, you know, everybody was sharing it. I didn't know you made it. So it was weird. It just happened really fast. Mm. Um, And it brought up a lot for me. And I never want to act like I don't want to take credit, you know. Mm-hmm. I I want to I want to take credit because I mean I did make it happen but I it wasn't again it wasn't in a vacuum this is all connected. Yeah, totally understand that and bowing to that of course. Um I would love to shift in a literally completely mm-hmm. different direction. Um and <laughs> ask you you make like super beautiful divine herbal medicine that really feels like deep deep potions for our times in many ways. Like, um, they're, they're just great. Um, and I'm just curious, like, I know you mentioned you live in Latin America, you live in Humboldt County, both with really rich, um, plant medicines to them in terms of connection Mm -hmm. to land and obviously Humboldt County huge. Um, and I'm just curious, like, how did your journey with, um, connecting with uh, plants and herbal medicine, like folk herbalism start? And when did you start making herbal medicines? Yeah, wow. Um, So I was, one thing is like, I was super over-medicated as a kid, Um, Mm -hmm. lots of emotional stuff. And uh, I, my family's solution to that, because they didn't really want to look at, um, and I'm close with my family, um, but you know, I, I learn, I try really hard, you know, not to go into a black and white, like people are, you know, lots of people carry trauma. And if you don't work through your trauma, you will pass it down to your children. Mm -hmm. And I think like my family solution was like, oh, we need to like over medicate Karina with like every new thing on the market as an 11 year old. And I felt, (laughs) yeah, I felt when I was young, I was like, okay, I need all this stuff, but I don't need it, but I do. (laughs) And I felt really skeptical of plant medicine because I don't come from a family that's into that at all. Mm. Um, And then I, my, so my first memory, I think, of a medicinal plant is that I, when I, I lived in Portland, I went to like my undergrad in Portland, um, between like I think I moved there in 2000 left in 2007 then went back for a while um and uh I lived in this punk house 
and, you know, was drinking a lot and just not that, like, healthy of a person, mentally, Mm -hmm. spiritually, probably physically. Um, And I went into my backyard one day, and there was this plant, and it smelled so good. It smelled like lemon. And I had um, a friend, a roommate there, who was like, oh, that's lemon balm. You know, you can make a tea out of it, and it'll it'll help your anxiety. And then um, I just did that, and it was, like, so magical. And it was just, like, growing in this, Mm -hmm. like, really messy backyard with all these like bike parts and stuff like there was just and it just that is so such an image that I don't think I'll ever forget and uh I was talking to that same friend and at some point and she's telling me about milk thistle and how I could take it in the morning after I've been like binge drinking and it would help my liver Mm -hmm. so I remember going to like the natural food store and like walking in the herbal medicine and I still remember just like seeing all those tinctures and being like, I didn't know all these plants did these. What do all these plants do? Like, what do people do with this stuff? Mm-hmm. So I just got really fascinated with it and started reading a lot about it. And um, then I started growing and I, I got first really into reproductive health herbs because um, Bush was president at the time. And I was like, we're going to lose abortion rights, y'all. I'm going to learn how to control fertility and like help people and when the revolution happens i'm going to be able to like run around with like my satchel mm-hmm. i just have this very romantic idea about it mm-hmm. um but that was kind of my introduction and i started i i remember i made a couple of tinctures back when i first started um and then i've just been like a few you know years after that i was really just traveling and I didn't have a garden um so the last few years I've had uh I did have a garden a big big old house with a garden um and I had the opportunity for the first time to like grow a lot of medicinal herbs and that was kind of a goal of mine Mm -hmm. and I started with lemon balm and I made a lemon balm tincture a couple years ago and I I just started giving it to people um that I knew. And I was like, you know, I heard, you know, you have anxiety. This is what you can do with this. It's really helpful. Mm. And people were like, you know, you should sell these. And, and, uh, I was like, no, I can't accept money for what I make. And mm-hmm. I, you know, in the last couple of years just started making like a lot of stuff and I find it, it's just such a magical process. And I think it's such a beautiful way to connect with the earth and kind of bring ourselves back because we're so disconnected from the earth and capitalism. And we're living, you know, in a society where we're like pharmaceuticals, which I'm not, you know, I still take pharmaceuticals, but you know, there, we also really need to ground ourselves down into the, the reality and like heal our trauma and our heart. And I do believe plant medicine is good on like, you know, not only is, is it very powerful medicinally, but medicinally in, in a spiritual way, in an emotional healing way. Um, so being able to offer that is just like, again, it's something that I feel like, I, you know, people are like, wow, this is awesome. You made this. And I'm like, I feel like I didn't make it. I feel like some, you know, a higher power made it through me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm a conduit or something for it. So it's, again, it's just something that I came to, like, you know, more than 10 years ago, and it's just always stuck with me, but I I didn't really think that I would make a business out of it. It just sort of happened because I got so, you know, like when I was working um, with IV drug users and people outside and, and I just 
um, people who had chronic illness. I spent a couple years like working here in the in the healthcare system, and it just it really took so much out of me. And then on top of that, doing my graduate degree, I did all my self care in my yard. It was just like the great. It kept me alive. And I'm so happy I have time now to like dive into that and make it my my focus and livelihood. Mm. It's beautiful, so beautiful. And again, like just such, um, just so powerful to hear your story and how these things, how these medicines and herbs found you. Like I love hearing about all manner of stories like that. It's amazing. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. Uh, have you, your medicine is really, um, I feel like, again, I called it kind of like potions for the current times. Like I, I feel like you make like a little bit, <clears throat> not like Dory Midnight, but the two of you, I, I think are very similar in that there's a very clear, visible desire to create herbal medicine that support folks who are uh, really committed to activism and to um, taking care of themselves while being of service. Um, has that always been a really ever-present part of the plant medicine you've made, or has that been evolving with you? Wow. Um, I mean, I've been interested and and involved in some capacity with social justice work, you know, since I was a teenager. And uh, to me, because obviously we're like living in a time of climate change, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, you know, our, our planet's going to look totally different by the time I'm, you know, 60 or something like in, you know, 25, 30 years, I don't think we're going to be living on the same earth. So I think we have to go back to the plants we have to go back to the earth to learn about, you know, survival. And when it comes to like activism and social justice, it's like being able to break, like plants are the ultimate like anarchists mm-hmm. because they don't have, you know, they're not following a, a structure. Um, they just grow. And how much can we learn from that? And I think when we're talking about changing the system, um, you you know, going back to the natural world and like understanding permaculture and understanding like indigenous medicinal practices with respect and um, learning about growing things. It's it's just like so multifaceted. It can teach us so much about how communities can organize, about how people are not going to, fla- you know, flowers don't bloom, they say like all year round. Mm-hmm. And, and there's just so many lessons in plants. And I think if you are interested in social change, um, you can learn from plants about the way that um, we are, you know, we're supposed to be, I guess, like, I don't know. I have this idea, like, I kind of had, um, I've had a lot of, like, mental breakdowns the last few years, thanks, grad school. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a time, like, a couple summers ago, and I just had gone through this really traumatic um, experience and uh, was really dealing with a lot of uh addictive behaviors like devil card and full swing Mm -hmm. and um 
I woke up one morning and I looked outside and I was like, of course I'm struggling. This is not the life that my spirit was supposed to be living. I wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to be like in this world, like in this cat, in this world where I'm supposed to be like working really hard and being like non-emotive, even though I'm dealing with these really stressful issues and just like kissing bosses asses and like taking the blame. Like there's just so many things I was like, this is not how we are supposed to be this is a world that was built and we're adapting to it and you look at plants and you're like that is the world that we're supposed to be we are just mm. like these plants i don't know if that's making any sense totally. it's just like yeah it's a mirror there yeah it's beautiful i love it well let's um let's transition maybe to tarot because you're obviously we've been speaking about this a lot, but you're a beautiful tarot reader. And, um, I like to ask my guests, as you know, sort of the cards that they resonate with, they're moving through. And you mentioned something really beautiful on before we started recording that I would love to bring up. So you mentioned a card that was sort of at the top of your card pyramid, but you also mentioned that there's sort of a rotating, amount of them around eight or, you know, nine or 10 that you feel like you're constantly flowing in and out of. And I, we can focus on just the one, but I, I wanted, if it's okay with you to mention that, because Mm -hmm. I think that that is really true for a lot of people who work with tarot that they live in kind of like, um, a state of tarot cards and there are a few that they visit on a regular basis. Like I mentioned like before, like kind of the analogy of visiting certain towns in your state that just work on you for a while. And then some transit out and some come in. And I, um, was just kind of obsessed with what you shared. It was such a small thing, but, um, it is so hard to pick just one. And if we're really in process with the tarot because not everybody uses the tarot like this. I do too in my own way, like really using it as a tool for evolution of healing, of working through trauma. It, it's very effective for me like that, like you. And so um, if you want to share more than one, that's great. I just sort of wanted to bring that up because I think that that is really resonant for a lot of folks, that idea of there being like 10 that transit through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what was that one card that you mentioned that you really wanted to talk about today? Yeah, so I, I feel like if I had to choose one card that I'm really present with, it would be the Eight of Cups. Mm. And I love that that card so much. And I feel like my interpretation might be a little bit different than some people's, but I really see it as kind of like a journey that someone is taking away from what they're comfortable with and what they already have while maybe making sacrifices um, that can be very challenging at the time. But then the way that it's structured, like the, the person walking up the mountain, it's like there's such a promise of a better, of something better, of growth, of healing. Um, and yet it's so difficult to make that step in yes. that direction because you're walking away from these eight full cups of love and, and like empowerment and community and solidarity. And you're choosing to walk away because there's something else that you want. Mm-hmm. Hell yes. I mean, I, I definitely resonate with that. I don't think that that's, it, how has it shown up for you in your life? Like how has it been a guiding star for you in moments when you've received this card? 
I think that, um, you know, like I, uh, in the last six months of my life, like there's been a lot of changes and I'm, and, and there's been a lot of loss and a lot of grief. I've had like a really not great, I mean, there's been a lot of things in the last couple of years, but the, the, you know, out of our pain comes our, our, our beauty a lot of times. And, Mm -hmm. and I guess what I mean by that is like, you don't, you don't grow and you don't create without being vulnerable to your own pain. Um, so what that's kind of where like rise up good, Witch got born, um, as just all these years that I have of my perspective and how I apply my perspective to tarot and herbal medicine and, and like, you know, my self-expression. And, um, I, you know, I, I, have just made a lot of choices that are very different than what I thought that I was going to make. Um, you know, like trying to start my, or or starting my own business. I have to stop saying the word trying because I'm doing it, but (laughs) I think that's something I didn't think that I was, um, that's something that I, like, I didn't visualize happening for myself and it's not, an easy path and, and trying to manifest a life that really works for me and that feels healthy and rewarding and enriching means having to, you know, step away from the structures that be. And I don't want to work a nine to five right now. And that's kind of what I could do. Like that's kind of the cups in a way, um, you know, having a life that's very like normalized and stable is accessible to me. Um, Mm -hmm. but I know that's going to make me feel really stagnant and it's not going to help me grow. So choosing to take that walk up the mountain, um, it's, it's, and I, it's a good card for me. Um, and I, what I love about the tarot in general is I think it's, there's so many lessons in it and reminders like, hey, you know, we're living in a society that's really intolerant to pain and suffering. But the reality of things is that life is full of pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. So you have to embrace that and learn to work with it. And I think um, for me, the Eight of Cups is like, it's okay to leave what you know and take this risk and go mm-hmm. on and grow from that and, and um, you know, create a new reality and a new paradigm. Amazing. Hell yes. (laughs) Love it. And, you know, I think this has been a really strong and powerful time um, with regard to things really changing, for lack of a better word. Like the the last few months has really been something (laughs) with regard to that. Yeah. Um, Like really been something. So... (laughs) um there I having that eight of cups of medicine there to kind of say like you can leave this and there will be something better but that kind of leap of faith is so strong on our human path that I love looking at that card like that thank you for that Mm -hmm. um yeah what card has always been I think every reader has this and, and, you know, everybody has forms a different relationship with this terminology, but I feel like everyone has some cards in the deck that they might totally understand, but that they're still kind of getting, um, 
fluent in, in terms of when they get it in a reading, there might be a moment where it's like, damn, why the fuck did this come up? Like, I don't even know. And then of course that opens up all this opportunity to actually find out. But what, um, what are, what's one or some of the cards in the tarot that you, as a reader and a teacher really kind of is always your perpetual kind of like, damn, I've got to sit with this and figure it out. And I'm not quite sure what this has to do. Like, Maybe perplexing, maybe confusing, maybe whatever. Maybe just like you don't like it. Yeah, I think um, like I was kind of I like we were talking about before the recording started. I have a real hard time with a lot of cards looking at just one card on its own isolated. And I think that's especially true. Like if somebody's like, can you pull a card for me? And it's like the Knight of Wands. I'm mm-hmm. just like, crap. I don't. I don't know how to apply the, no, I I take that back. I could be like, you're, you know, I see the Knights as being like a youthful, masculine teenage energy that maybe is like very productive, but also like moves too fast and Mm -hmm. is like chewing their their ego. But um, I guess like the court cards, I always am, you know, they're so um, changeable for me, depending Mm -hmm. on what the other cards that surround them. And then I would say like, So I have a really complicated relationship, I'd say, with, like, the hanged man. Um, It took me a really long time to develop my own interpretation about it. And there's so much to say about the hanged man, um, especially if you're looking at it from, like, a social justice perspective. Um, And I think I really struggle with the Wheel of Fortune. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's real. (laughs) Yeah, because I kind of see the Wheel of Fortune. If it's in a spread, it's like, by the way, none of this matters because there's no fate. This is all up to you. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, totally. I I could not agree more. Like, it is a bitch. Like, it is. Not, you know, in a terrible way or anything, but it is. Like, it's real. (laughs) You know, that energy of, like, you know, say what you will, but hey. This is, you know, there's no fate and yet there's, or rather there's fate and yet there's all of this free will and yet nothing's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of spiral void to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I love. There's 78 cards and it's like, they all mean so many different things mm-hmm. depending on the intuit, you know, the the vibes you get from the person you're reading for um, based on where it is in the sequence of cards, what spread you're using, what the other cards around it are. So it's hard um, for me to say, but there, there are definitely some cards I think that have the meanings are so expansive that mm-hmm. it's hard to even apply it mm-hmm. without, you know, mm-hmm. other contexts around it. Totally. I feel that. Well, that is is beautiful. So let's talk a little bit more about your podcast. How can people find the Rise Up Good Witch podcast? How can they listen to it? So it's I do have a website. It's riseupgoodwitch.com, mm-hmm. and there is a podcast link on that, or you can just go directly to SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com uh, slash risen. Um, like the dash that's not the underscore yeah just the dash which <laughs> so they're all up on there 
I'm hoping at one point I'll figure out iTunes. Yeah, I mean, it's not a joke. It's, like, hard to do. Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> the other thing that I was going to say is you teach workshops, and I would love to talk a little bit about that. Like, how can people find your workshops? How can they work with you? Um, what uh, Do you have any things coming up, any workshops coming up? Yeah, definitely. So I just finished my first uh, workshop series. I call them tarot storytelling, and it kind of goes back into that thing I was talking about where I think you look at sequences and spreads, and it's almost like a narrative um, that you can use to, to kind of like um, expand upon your own um, uh, analysis of your life and your patterns and how to break them. Mm-hmm. And I just finished my first series. It went really well. It was really good. Mm-hmm. And I have, um, I'm going to be in Portland. I'm doing a residency um, at a friend's um, aerial silk space. And I'm doing two uh, tarot workshops that they're, they're um, one is on April 29th. And it's uh, 10 to 4, and the other one is going to be May 6th. Yeah, May 6th, I think from noon to 6th. So I would would definitely love um, any folks to sign up or reach out with um, questions or if they want more information. Um, But basically, like, I have a workbook, and we just kind of – it's a lot of hands-on activities. I really believe that we have to apply the things that um, we learn – and kind of put our own spin on them. Because that's one thing that people often ask me about with tarot. They're like, well, I don't know anything. And I'm like, yeah, you you kind of do. Like, mm-hmm. you already know it's inside of you. These are just, you have to make up your interpretations. Mm-hmm. Memorizing things from a book is not going to, you know, fulfill you yeah. the way that applying your own experiences and knowledge and intuition is going to. Totally. Totally. And And, you know... Even if you do, like, ultimately, you know, like, I'm, so yes, follow her. We'll have links to where you can find more about how to work with Karina in terms of her workshop offerings. But I'm going to go back to this. Fuck yes to what you just said. And I'm going to say that even people who memorize from a book, you, you have to, well, no one has to do anything. Let me just put it that way. But you, I recommend to people, even when they're working with me, even when we're doing huge tarot mentorships when I was doing them, you, I recommend that everyone, you know, if they feel like whatever I'm sharing with them resonates, keep it, but then question all of it because ultimately it's still, no matter how um, holistically I try to share card meanings, um, it's not it's still through my lens view and the lens view is Mm -hmm. the most important thing with the tarot. It's the most important thing. And it's the place that people have the least amount of confidence, (laughs) you know? So I love that you just shared that because you do know what it means. Everybody knows what these cards mean. Like they really do. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Um, I think we, um, I don't know. People struggle with their own self-esteem and their own intuition. And that's something that I've struggled with. I think I've recently become a much better tarot reader because I learned how to say what I was seeing. Because it's not comfortable when someone sits down to get a tarot reading. And the first thing I see is you're in a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. Like that's not an easy thing to say to people, especially if it's someone you know 
and yeah. you know their partner and you don't see it. Um, but I had to learn how to just be like, this is what I'm seeing here. And I'm just going to tell you. So I think that's a people that are starting out with tarot. That's in my opinion, going to be the biggest, um, the biggest, um, obstacle is learning how to go with your intuition because it's usually right. I mean, you know, if you really are with your intuition, you're going to see things and, I've never had anyone scream at me yeah. at a reading, you know, like I've been afraid of it because I'm like, oh, I'm about to deliver some stuff. But, you know, people come to a tarot deck and if they want you to tell them that they're about to fall in love with the most amazing person and that everything's great, I mean, then they're not ready. Yeah, um, exactly. They're not ready. For and I can't do anything about that. No. Except I'm, I'm not sure... Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm like not sure if what I just said had anything to do with what your question was. It like so did. It totally did. No, it was okay. absolutely right. <laughs> because it, what you're sharing is, is wisdom and advice for anyone working through their own journey with their confidence and how they can open up themselves, open themselves up to things. And I think that there is a huge, um, over-cultural expectation for people to come into a tarot reading and they're going to hear what they want to hear and that it's not going to be. So I'm also not that tarot reader, you know, and that's fine. If, yeah. if people aren't ready for that, that, you know, that's so okay. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd love hearing what you that like, yes to all of it. Yes to all of it. <laughs> um, Karina, thank you so much for being here on the podcast it was such a gift is there anything else you'd like to share um you know I just want to I'm gonna return the thank you because I'm so honored to be on this podcast and I really mm -hmm. admire all the work you do and I'm just really stoked on getting involved in like the tarot Instagram and and like social media community because I've just there's so many awesome people just using the tarot to take it in new directions and mm -hmm. and um it's fascinating and, and amazing and I think this is part of where we're going as a world I love that I'm honored that you feel that way thank you I the honor yeah. is mutual and I agree I, it is such a time to be alive working with this medium because we're seeing like for free people share these interpretations like their medicine around the cards and their offerings that are so unbelievably rich and um it's it's just a great scene i love the tarot instagram scene it's a beautiful thing and mm -hmm. all the love yeah. right back at you for sure thank you well, thank you for being here. For anyone who wants to, like everyone listening, I mentioned on the intro, like Karina deserves all of your support. She's so fucking brilliant. Um, her website with links uh, on her website to listen to her podcast, order her medicine on her Etsy page and elsewhere, as well as booking a reading with her will all be on there. And um you can also follow her at Rise Up Good Witch. It's such unbelievable content. Um, and like we didn't talk about this on the interview, but you are someone who really shares um, such a beautiful amount of yourself in terms of what you're going through personally and 
losses that you've experienced and life experiences that are just um, very generous and also very moving to see how you let yourself be seen in moments when you don't feel okay, when you do feel okay, and that's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so yeah, at Rise Up Good Witch, that's definitely Thank you, Lindsay. Yeah, of course. And um, once again, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you.